Good morning. I'm not convinced the kind of elevator music fitted them so much from where we were or where we're going. I've been away for a few days this week with some of the staff and board. We had five days. We attended a conference in California. We got back just after midnight a few hours ago. I was grateful for the extra hour this morning. That was, that was well-timed. Uh, Sean, Tommy, Amanda, Julie, and myself. And it was a time of inspiration and also a time of kind of team bonding and fun and connection. And it's good to... It's good to be recharged, it's good to be inspired, it's good to get away, but it's also really good to come back. I see some people that go on these kind of trips, and as it ends, they're booking the next one and then the next one. And actually, I love coming back. I love the local. Uh, I believe in the local church. Uh, it was about a six-hour flight. I'm fairly used to long flights. But when you're tired, it's funny how you revert back into the way that you always have been. So suddenly, I sound a little bit more English than normal. Or I'm driving, and every now and then I have to say, stay on the right-hand side, stay on the right-hand side. Because in England, we drive on the left. And nearly always, I'm good for that. But when you're tired, it's funny what happens. So we were driving from San Francisco to Reading, and we were driving on the Silverado Trail, which is this beautiful road, about 30 miles long, uh, quite lean, with a cliff this side and a cliff this side. Uh, and you've got the English guy driving, and everyone else is holding on tight. We have a car that doesn't corner like I'd like a car to corner. And there were a few moments um, where we were grateful that, you know when you go on a trip and people wish you safe travels? always feels like something that my gran would say, and I'm grateful that people say it, but I'm always like, yeah, thanks. On this occasion, thank you for wishing us safe travels. We had a great time, and it was inspiring, and there's more for us to unpack and chew on and work through, so thank you for praying for us. Before I start, I want to I pray. Jesus introduced some of his teaching by saying, if you've got ears, make sure you're listening. Which is quite a bold way to say, hey, you need to really listen to this. But I feel to do the same. So let those that have ears listen. Why don't we pray? And yes, I want you to hear. But I feel that some of what we're going to look at today is not about hearing with your ears, but maybe hearing with your heart. And may it lead to movement with your feet. So let's pray for that. Father, we want to listen to you. Jesus, we want to hear the wisdom of your teaching. And Holy Spirit, we want to hear what you're saying, aware that you don't speak just to entertain us, but to change us and to move us. Lord, may we move with your leading, may we listen to your voice, and may we be active in following you. Amen. So this is the last week, week six of this Living Well series. We've been talking about how 
do we live well? What do we need to give attention to? What adjustments do we need to make? I'm going to bring it together with largely one point, which is going to appear time and time again. And I'll begin with a story which kind of illustrates the point. A few weeks ago, I began the process of looking for a, a, a used car, and I've learned that this is a terrible time to look for a used car. And... Uh, if you're selling used cars, this is not a good time to be selling used cars because where you used to have 100 for sale, you've now got 10 for sale because everything's strange in the world at the moment and that very annoying sentence because of COVID appears way too much. But anyway, uh, I went somewhere and I told the salesperson that I was looking and somehow I gave them all of my details and I had phone calls, emails, messages coming at me ever since. And I had to say, stop. Uh, I get way too many emails. In the summer, my parents had a family get-together. and It was a great time. We went away and we stayed in a hotel. And the hotel had free Wi-Fi service. But as part of the condition to access the free Wi-Fi, you had to enter your email address. And you know those long things that no one reads and you have to tick a box at the bottom? I say no one reads. Does anyone read... Some of you maybe read it. I don't read it. I'm like, tick, just get me connected. Ever since, I have been inundated with emails. And then about halfway through this series, not recognizing the link between the bombardment of emails and all the phone calls from car dealerships, I thought, I need to do something about the noise and the distraction that keeps coming at me. So I sent Sean a picture. This is one picture of many, uh, which many of you probably have seen, where if you scroll to the very bottom of the email, hidden in another huge paragraph that you don't want to read, there is this, would you like to unsubscribe? Do you really want to unsubscribe? I mean, are you sure that you like waking up every morning to 15 random emails of places you've never gone or never going to go? And one by one, I'm just unsubscribing and unsubscribing and unsubscribing. And as I've been doing that, I felt God say, this is what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to show you. In our desire to live well, sometimes we say yes to everything. But actually, there is wisdom in knowing when to unsubscribe. Not for the sake of doing nothing, but for the sake of actually doing something well. So, I want to look at what do we need to say yes to? And what do we need to say no to? And for some of us, it's unsubscribe. So that's what we're going to look at today. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 12, verse 1 to 14, not 15. I told Sean 15. Sean's been up for hours, so we were grateful for what he does there too. Luke 12, verse 1 to 14. This is Jesus. He's teaching a crowd. He says this. Meanwhile, 
when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man, will be acknowledged before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you have brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? There's a lot going on. Let's look at the context. When Jesus ministered, there were times when there were small groups of people around tables and meals. At the moment, Tommy has been speaking more about the importance of let's gather around tables, let's have meals. After this morning, we've got some, some donuts and some cider because there's power in gathering together and being together. We're talking about small groups and circles. And I love the place where there's a crowd. Jesus experienced the different levels of numbers of people around him. Jesus' experience of the crowd was quite interesting. The crowd were often quite shallow, quite fickle. They were here today and they were gone tomorrow. Later on in the Gospels, we read of the crowd saying Hosanna and celebrating on Palm Sunday. And then many of the same voices shift to crucify him the following Friday. The crowd is inconsistent. Jesus is asking the crowd to become disciples. I don't want you just to attend occasionally, come and go, sing one day, forget the next day. The invitation is to be disciples. So Jesus knows that this is the backdrop. This is the context that he's communicating to. And he almost takes the occasion to say, right, I don't see these people often. They're unreliable. I'm going to give them everything. So in 14 passages, he gives them a lot to chew on. Some of the subjects, he talks about hypocrisy, which isn't big, it's small, but it grows like yeast in bread. He talks about everything that is hidden will be revealed. So often we do and say things that we hope no one 
hears or sees. And Jesus leans in and says, God sees. Ow. He says, don't be afraid of people, but have a healthy fear of God. Now, fear of God is not fear that God is angry and wants to hurt you. But there is this sense that's an appropriate fear of God where we recognize that we've missed the mark by a mile and he hasn't. And in that encounter, we go, oh, I need to clean myself up. That's an appropriate response. It talks about hell. And I'm not going to get into hell other than the conviction that hell is the absence of being in relationship with God And the opportunity to choose to be in relationship with God is available to us now, but it won't be forever. And for some people that don't choose that, the consequences of that absence are unending. This is challenging. This is important stuff. He goes on. He then shifts and says, you are valued. He even knows how many hairs are on your head, which for some of us, the number gets lower. And for others, they grow hair in places they didn't used to grow hair. And God knows about it all. It's not just the man thing either. Jesus says the importance of acknowledging him. Don't pretend you don't know Jesus. Acknowledge him because he wants to acknowledge you. He says, don't be afraid. Everyone's afraid. Products are sold to us. News stories are are presented to us with the fear at the beginning because fear gets results. Fear changes society and controls things. If you vote this way, this will happen. If you don't agree to this, you must be this. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Timeless wisdom. And then he says this, when you're challenged because of your faith, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Quick comment about that. When you're challenged... Jesus expected us to be challenged. If you are avoiding challenge, maybe you're not doing it right. The expectation was that some people aren't going to agree with you. That's okay. It's better to live like that than it is to conceal the light that was never meant to be concealed. It was meant to shine. So Jesus is absolutely, what's the phrase? Drinking from a fire hose. He is giving it to them. And in the middle of that, we read this, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What a random response to the teaching so far. Jesus said, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Super important teaching And then a rude interruption that makes no sense and doesn't relate to anything that's said before. It's like a conversation you may have had with someone. And their response basically shows you they weren't listening. It's annoying. And sadly, it's not uncommon. Jesus experienced it too. It's rude. It's an interruption. And it's a distraction. And so often, we don't notice the distractions. We just go this way, and then this way, and then this way, and then this way. So the man says, I've got a conflict with my brother. Can you get involved in my conflict? And Jesus says, man, who made me judge between you two? 
Jesus is saying, I'm not doing this. This is not for me. I'm not even beginning this. I'm not even entertaining this. If this man's comment comes from nowhere, Jesus' speed at batting it back is even quicker. He isn't doing this. That's not for him. He's saying no. He's unsubscribing before he's even signed up. So why? Why did Jesus not help? Why did Jesus not step in the middle? Why did Jesus say, who made me a judge? Let's consider. Later, in John's gospel, Jesus said this, you judge by human standards. I don't judge in that way. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So Jesus is able to be the divine judge. He has the anointing, the wisdom, and therefore the opportunity to do so. Sometimes we don't say yes to something because we can't do it. Jesus could have done it, and he would have done it really, really well. So why did he say no? Why did he say no? This is the point I want you to hear. Jesus said no because he had already said yes to something else. There had been a previous yes, and therefore, in this occasion, he has to say no. Sometimes we say yes so often, we never say no, and we just end up diluting all of the yeses. And no one gets helped. We end up in everyone's conflict, everyone's debate, everyone's mess. Jesus said no because he'd already said yes. We're going to swing back a few pages, Luke 4. Luke 4, verse 18 to 20. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is before he had revealed himself and signs and wonders and familiar teaching. This is before any of those things. Jesus stands up in the temple and says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. It sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone was on him, and he said to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus knew what his mission was. I've come to do this and this and this. He had clarity of conviction around his yes, and therefore, with ease and clarity, he could spot the thing he needs to say no to. Sometimes we carry too much. If you've ever been to the grocery store and seemingly just filled the car up with these bags, if you're anything like me, I don't like to do too many trips from the car to the house so there's always something of the competition of how many bags can I carry? And some bags break, but bags are stronger than they used to be. So I'm trying to carry as many as I can. My hands are falling. Uh, but there's only so much we can carry. 
God didn't make any of us superhuman. There's only so much we can carry. And if there's something that we should carry, then sometimes we have to put some other things down to be able to pick it up. You can't just keep carrying more bags. To use the yes or the no, uh, on Monday, Sarah and I celebrated 19 years of marriage. 19 years ago, we said yes. And because of that, if other options came along after that date, we say no because of our yes. There was a yes in the past that means that the next answer is a no. You can't just say yes to everything. You need to know when to say yes and when to say no. So I want to look into this a little bit more practically. So Jesus said no because it was a distraction from his yes. And that's why he didn't get involved. Firstly, while I'm talking about the wisdom of saying no, I want to begin by saying it's good to say yes. It is good to say yes. One of the frustrations of the world that we live in is something of a non-committal attitude and culture where no one wants to say yes. Some examples that you may have heard in terms of non-committal. When someone says, let me come back to you on that. What they mean is, let me think about this when you're not around and see if something better comes along. Or, sure, maybe I'll let you know, which means they're not going to let you know. They're not that interested. Or, this one I've heard, I would love to, comma, but. And the but just changes all the words that you'd heard previously. Or this one. And this sounds really polite until you realize afterwards what it actually means. I would like to keep my options open on that one. This sounds really nice. This is the problem with a non-committal worldview and culture. Relationships fail because everything's open. There's no commitment. We can do whatever we want to do. Businesses fail. There's no loyalty. There's no support for this local business person who's trying to do something in his community because we'll go to the next place and the next place or, or whatever. Having a non-committal approach in business or in marriage, in relationships or in following Jesus is a recipe for failure and destruction. We need, with conviction, to say yes. And we need our yes to be strong and reliable. I have a friend who has a reputation for being reliably unreliable. And I go fishing with him sometimes, but it's always hard to plan the trip because my other friend who fishes with us will say, well, he's going to change his plans at the last minute. His yes doesn't mean that much. It's non-committal. COVID's not helped. It's kind of accelerated this, I'm going to leave my options open. We can do anything from anywhere. And I love that. I'm grateful for technology. I'm aware that for some people, online church is still the fit that, that, that is an appropriate 
scenario for them. But for many of us, I want us to move away from the casualness of anything's okay, and I want us again to refine the commitment of our yes. We need that. Church won't work if no one's committed, if there's no one serving on teams, if there's no one here early that does the things that many of us don't see. We need the commitment of our yes to mean yes. And then no. There are times when we need to recognize that because of our previous yes, we have to say no to this. I can't carry all of these grocery bags at the same time. Realistically, some need to go down. Or I said yes to this person, which means I've got to say no to this. We need to know the difference. What do you need to say yes to? Obvious. I'm going to put this on the screen. Luke 14, 25 to 27. We need to say yes to Jesus. Larger crowds, again, remember what the crowds were like, were traveling with Jesus, turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife or children, brothers and sisters, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is a crazy teaching. Most of us that would like to see lots of people come along and join church would not give this kind of message. Jesus is saying, it's not going to be easy. Your yes is going to cost you. You can't just be casual with this. If you're saying yes, then you're really in. There's no middle ground. So the first thing we need to say yes to is following Jesus with a commitment that says on days it's going to be hard. On days I want to encourage you to go to church when you don't feel like it. On days you're going to have to live the way that you know he wants you to live, even though actually it would be kind of easier if you didn't on that occasion. The yes has a cost. We need to say yes to the responsibilities he's blessed us with. I use the analogy of marriage. I said yes 19 years ago. Any other options thereafter are a no because of the yes. And we need to say yes to his mission, to his work, to what he wants to do. Now, this isn't homework that you don't want. Actually, it's a joy to co-participate in what God is doing in the world. It is a joy. I heard someone say this week that when Jesus told the story of the parable of um, the coins and God saying, I'm giving you this. When the servant is faithful and they're multiplied, the responsibility increases. There is a joy and a blessing in the increase of being more effective and doing more in the kingdom of God. The goal isn't to do less. The reward is you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to give you more. So, yes. Matthew 5, and we're going to read this from the New King James Version. This kind of brings everything together. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Do you see the absence of all those non-committal middle ground phrases? There's none of them there. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Jesus goes on. Anything else is is evil. The evil one is 
trying to distract you away from what's really important and take you down so many different trails. See them, notice them, and swerve them. May your yes be yes and your no be no. I want to pray for some people. I want to ask the obvious question to all of you. What do you need to say yes to? And what do you need to say no to? But before I do, I want to move beyond my notes. As I was praying before I stood up, I began to hear some things from God that I want us to act on. So why don't you close your eyes a minute? And I want to leave the question in your head. What do you need to say yes to and what do you need to say no to? For some people here, and I think you're in the room, you may be online, but I think you're in the room. For some people, you've got a decision to make. If you've got a decision to make, put your hand up wherever you are. If you've got a decision to make, if it's decision time. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand. And for those, if you've got a decision to make at the moment, if it's decision time, if you stand up, we're going to pray for you where you are. If it's decision time. And if you're near someone that's standing and ask them if you're, they're comfortable can I gently maybe put a hand on your shoulder let's pray let's surround these people let's pray for the wisdom of knowing the yes or the no if we could get this right life would be so much simpler and more fruitful let's pray for our friends we do this because the church is a community. It's the people of God. We stand with each other. So if there's someone that you can see that's not being prayed for and you're comfortable, let's pray. Father, we pray for the divine wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know when to say yes and when to say no. Lord, we pray even in the days, even in the next seven days for clarity. Lord, we pray against the spirit of confusion. We pray against the fogginess where everyone's got an opinion. Lord, bless those who have ears to hear. Lord, may our, our friends, our brothers, our sisters, Lord, that are standing, may they hear from the Holy Spirit in their yes or in their no. And while we're praying, and you may be standing, you may not be, I feel like there's someone, in fact, I don't know if you are standing, I don't think you are. You've got some decision, a decision to make that you've been chewing on for a while and it's it's a little bit like a puzzle and you can't quite get the pieces right and you've looked at it from lots of different angles because I believe you're the kind of person that adds everything up and counts the cost and looks at different angles and it's wise to do that but even though you've done that you still can't quite get the picture 
fit. I believe that God's saying to you uh, to stay in your lane. Driving yesterday through San Francisco, there's roads where there's eight lanes and everyone's swerving in different directions. Thankfully, Tommy was driving, it wasn't me. I feel that for you, you've been chewing on this for a long time. I feel like God's saying, just, just stay in your lane. And I think there's someone else, and you're almost certainly not standing because this hasn't actually happened to you yet, but soon it's going to be a decision for you. And this is going to be really random. I see the color purple. I don't know if it's a purple door or you're going to receive a letter that's purple or you're going to meet someone that's going to offer you a job and you'll walk in and they're wearing a purple shirt. I don't know. Uh, and God tells us some things and often he doesn't tell us all things. And we have to either land on being okay with not knowing everything or insisting that we must know everything. You're not going to know everything. So, Father, we welcome you, and we ask that you would help us. And for all of us, those standing and not standing, Lord, when we've considered in the last few weeks priorities and relationships and employment and our leisure time and our giving and everything, Lord, I'm grateful for the wisdom of frameworks and trellises and other analogies. Lord, I'm going to boil it all down to this. Father, help us to know when to say yes. And may our yes mean something. And help us to know when to say, no, 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 that's not for me. Lord, may we live from that viewpoint, I pray. Amen. Why don't we all stand? We're going to recognize that everything that we do is centered on what Jesus did not on what we do and it looks like this Mark's gospel we read this while they were eating Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take this this is my body then he took a cup and when he gave them thanks he gave it to them and so they drank from it and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many many of us have heard these passages before I want to just highlight two things and then invite you to come and participate Jesus is approaching his disciples. This is not the crowd. This is the disciples. The crowd are fickle and transient. Jesus is inviting the crowd to be disciples. If you aren't convinced that you would be considered a disciple, this is your moment to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my inconsistent commitment to you. I want to follow you. Please forgive me. Pray that prayer and receive freely. And then Jesus said this, this cup is poured out for many. You aren't excluded. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. Even this week, this is for many. This is not for few. This is for many. Jesus generously offers himself and says, I'm going to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And it looks like this. So we celebrate and we receive with joy. Yes, we pause. We don't see it as cheap. It was costly. And we deal with anything that we're carrying that we've not dealt with. And I encourage you to do that and then receive with joy.